One day each of us will close our eyes for the final time. Our hearts will slowly cease to beat and our last breath will whisper through silent lips as we leave this existence behind. Yet is this truly the end? Do we simply cease to be as the last spark races from our brains along cooling neurons to its final destination in oblivion? Or does the part of us that is uniquely our own continue beyond the grave? Is there existence beyond the temporal? And if so, what mysteries might that existence hold? There are those who would have us believe that our lives end with our final tomorrow, that the physical world is both our beginning and ultimate end. There are also those who reject this explanation, instead contending that the physical world is simply one aspect of an existence which may stretch on through eternity. For now, we are left to wonder if the strange apparitions are a product of our feverish minds, or if ghosts do haunt the fringes of the material world. The ultimate truth may lie somewhere between, unknown to us until we each pass beyond that veil. And between our searching eyes and that veil lies a path that leads us to the shadows of legend. Hello, and welcome to Shadows of Legend. I'm your host, Charles Romans, and today we're speaking with Wes Forsyth. Wes is behind and in front of the scenes at the very popular Scarefest Horror Convention every year in Lexington, Kentucky. How are you doing today, Wes? I'm having a good day so far, believe it or not. <laughs> Those are uh, rare. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, if you don't care, uh, give me a little bit of background about Scarefest and, and uh, what goes on up there. Boy, that could take a whole show. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we we're we're the we are one of the largest uh, horror conventions in the United States of America. We're probably top five, top three, somewhere in there. Uh, we are the largest when it comes to our particular genre, which is paranormal and horror. Yes. Um. And we've been, this is our 15th year coming up in October. Uh, would have been 16, except for you know what. And uh, we just bring in uh, about 60 celebrities every year. Uh, horror, mostly horror, but a good little lineup usually of uh, paranormal celebrities. We are a fan convention. I don't want to confuse that with your run-of-the-mill Paracon, where, you know, it's more, I don't want to say serious, but, you know, it does, it does attract a different crowd. Well, yes. But it's for people that uh, are fans of the genres and will have 150 to 200 vendors. And the main thing that sets us apart, even if you're not really into the into celebrity worship or whatever you would want to put it, we provide entertainment from the time the door opens till the well, after the doors close, even. Uh, we we just try to create a full experience for our people. And of course, that is coming up October 20th. Through the twenty second this year, excellent. And uh, I'm assuming uh, advanced ticket sales will go on uh, soon. Uh, ticket sales are online now. We had a little slowdown due to a um, I'm going to put this kindly drastic rent increase. Um, <laughs> so we had to do a little negotiating, um, but it uh, and but it kind of puts everything on hold because you have to wonder. How much do we have to charge the people to get in and not, you know, actually lose money before the con even starts? But we we right. got it worked out. Um, vendor sales should go on with in the next week or so. Uh, uh, 
we uh, have a uh, seminar series, a speaker series that you've taken part in. Yes. That should go up in the next week or so. Uh, so we're finally, we're, we're a good month behind where we normally are getting the balls rolling, but we are getting everything kind of lined out. And uh, the one thing we're ahead on, we just haven't announced them, is uh, celebrities. Because we've been so successful the last two years, um, we've gotten people just, you know, begging to come to Scarefest this year. And when it fits our, our um, vision, if you will, we're accommodating and so we've announced two and we're going to announce i think one or two more this friday and every friday we try to announce a celebrity or two until we run out now the best way for people to follow you would be uh on your your facebook page or your actual website yeah, um typical social media stuff <laughs> if they'll go on if they'll do a facebook search for the scarefest that will lead you to our business page, our fan group page. And the news is always fresher on the fan group um, because it's so much easier to post on it. But uh, then we also have an event page. But, yeah, we're all over Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, we're allegedly going to be on TikTok soon. We're on it, but we haven't gotten very far because we don't know how to twerk. Um, <laughs> and, um, and Instagram. A lot of Instagram's a big thing now, and we're getting our presence rolling pretty good on Instagram. But if you search for the Scarefest, you will find us darn near any place you look. Well, that's good to know. And one of the things I wanted to ask you before we delve into how you became interested in the paranormal, what do you think the attraction is for both the, uh, commercial side of it, your movies and, and your, your, your works of fiction and uh, both that and the uh, actual legends and things that have been recorded from eyewitnesses, things of that nature. What do you think of the fascination? I tell you the truth. I, I don't try to overthink it. I don't think it's that much different. Now in the paranormal side, you have the whole life universe and everything. A lot of people are searching for answers, but when it comes to the, the horror side in particular and the paranormal side to a great degree, it's the same attraction as you get when you're talking about why do people ride roller coasters? People like to be scared. They like to be startled. Um, and, you know, and that leads to this fast, you know, this fascination with, uh, with that part of the, um, movie world and TV world. So, was there any sort of uh, fear incident that uh, originally got you interested in the paranormal and the strange? No, I am so mundane. <laughs> I, uh, as far as the paranormal side, and now this has been almost 20 years ago. I've been trying to do the math and because of COVID, it threw everything off here. Mm. But anyway, um, so 17, maybe 17, 18 years ago. But um, my sin was I disliked watching paranormal TV. At the time, uh, Ghost Hunters uh, was the big show. Uh, Ghost Adventures was neck and neck with them. Uh, there were a few others floating around at that time, but those were the two that really held your attention and, the, and brought in people like me. And I sat there in my chair watching it, just hardly ever missed an episode. As a matter of fact, I got Ghost Hunter season one on dvd i i was that fan and uh but i would sit there and i'd they'd say things and i go well no that doesn't mean that at all 
No, that's not necessary. Don't say it like it's a truism. If that's okay. what your theory is or, you know, your hypothesis from what you've observed, fine. But don't say like one of my big ones was always ghosts are energy. We don't actually know that. We don't know how to translate it. We don't know how to measure it. So just don't even say it like that. Then uh, one weekend they were doing a more or less a public impromptu ghost hunt down to my local famous haunt. Um, I think I'd been on the ghost walk before that, but it's the Ross Opera House. It's uh, generally regarded as the third most haunted place in Kentucky. And I would even argue that it might even be up a notch or two from that because I've been to the two that beat it out. The um, But I went on a ghost hunt and I had a, the equipment I had, I had a um, infrared camera that it with you know with night vision one of the nice sony ones that i had never used in the dark okay. I, I don't even know why i got one with night vision but uh, i had it uh batteries lasted like 30 minutes i think um i had a digital recorder because some sports that we used we scored a, um uh some team trials on a, a fox hunting and we used recorders to record our scores so i had a digital recorder and i had a flashlight and that was it. That's what I took with me that night. Oh, and I had a flash camera. I did have a camera. And uh, I went on it. And honestly, nothing major happened that first night as far as what I could bring home and say, hey, this is evidence of a haunting. But it absolutely hooked me. Just the, the experience of it, the history of it, the possibilities of it. And I instantly went out and spent way too much money on a whole lot of equipment and uh, became a a ghost hunter. Well, that that's a, a a very interesting origin story, especially since you didn't say, "Oh, well, I the the first time out of the gate, I, I picked up an EVP of Great Aunt Ethel." No, it was like second or third time uh, that I went ghost hunting. I, it was actually probably the second time I went ghost hunting. I got that really good EVP, and I remember reviewing the evidence after I'd come home. And I screamed my head off. I said, oh, my God, this is so cool. Yelled for my wife, say, come in here. You got to hear this. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's when it you know really sunk in. Okay, so, and you said that it, it sunk in. Was it at that point that you were actually sold on the concept that there might be something beyond this uh, temporal existence? Nah, you know what? No, it's... It's simpler than that. That was what hooked me on ghost hunting. As far as being hooked on the idea that there is an afterlife and there might be ghosts, I grew up in a Judeo-Christian household uh, where ghost stories, I'm not saying it was something we centered on, but it wasn't something we avoided. The church that I grew up in, um, they just kind of, you know, it just wasn't brought up. Nobody said, oh, you're going to hell if you go ghost hunting or, you know, don't talk to the dead or anything right. like that it was just you know it was just legend if you will you know there were ghost stories around and we loved sitting around the campfire or whatever and telling ghost stories and some of them gave we gave credence to and some of them we said ah oh, that's just to, you know to shock people but um that i already had that ingrained in me that when we pass away there's something else then now the fascination with figuring out exactly the mechanics of how that worked because it really wasn't what was taught. But at the same time, if you try to kind of fit them together and you read some passages that suggest, well, you know, yeah, that could, that's possible. 
Um, I, I tell people, people who throw the Bible in my face and say the Bible doesn't support it. Uh, in instances, it technically does. But the simplest thing I can tell them is the Bible is your instructions on how to live. It's kind of like if you buy a VCR. It shows my age. I use VCR as an example. <laughs> but uh, when you bought a VCR, it came with a nice big instruction book, but it didn't tell you how to fix it. It didn't tell you exactly how it worked. Exactly. It didn't go into all that detail. And so that's the way I always looked at it. And nothing I've experienced in the paranormal really goes against the way I was taught, you know, bringing up if if you think it through now just because somebody says something and i say i'll say a lot of things that may not fit a person's belief structure but i'm usually pretty careful about saying this is what i believe you know you may interpret it differently well this is true and typically what i do uh, i don't come down a hard line on either and i try to acknowledge the possibilities my thing okay just like uh, okay here's a really good example one of my best catches, which actually is what made me quit actually going out ghost hunting all night, we were at the Ross Opera House, and we went in, and this time we were armed to the teeth, if you will. We had everything thought through. We'd been doing it long enough. We knew how the equipment worked, how to control the equipment, and how to set up controls for us and the equipment. And so we did a uh, ghost box session. Now, the time before, we'd done a ghost box session, and we'd gotten a little girl's name that we had asked for. When we went back, we said, well, the best way to test this, so let's see if we get that exact name again. And we got it, and it was clear, and it was loud, and it, there is no, oh, you know, that could have been somebody's thumbnail on the, on the recorder. No, it was that absolutely perfectly clear, and it was exactly what we asked for and what we knew the answer should be. Then I, I played that for one of my skeptical friends, and their 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 critical uh, yeah critical explanation. Well, how do you know you didn't project that into the recorder with your mind? And I said, <laughs> would you just go ahead and prove that, and I'm good. That, yeah. You know that that solves all of life mysteries. We create it all. Maybe it is all just this great imagination thing. But I've had enough experiences over the year that um, it all just falls into place that there is something else out there now i don't know all the mechanics of it i know what i believe to a great degree and there's parts that when people ask me about it, i'll say I, that's above my pay grade i just don't move on from there you know that's all i need to know when a person says that they're an expert and presents themselves as knowing everything then generally that's a red flag because no one could know everything about anything to be honest about it no you will I'll even go to, okay, I don't, I really don't like the term paranormal expert. Now, I do believe many people in the field ride to rise to what I would call paranormal authority. In okay. other words, they know enough about it. They know enough about the equipment. They know enough about what people observe, um, both on the skeptical side and the believer side, that they become an authority. But yes, expert carries with it a certain weight that... They're very I, off the top of my head. I, I'm really leery about calling anybody an expert. Now, that being said, I do think there are a lot of people out there that are experts in fields of the paranormal. You can be an expert in audio research if you understand, you know, how waveforms work. You can be an, uh, an expert in energy fields. There are a lot of things to be an expert in, and I would encourage anybody to pick an area. 
and read and and read the science on it, read the technology on it, and embrace being an expert in a part of the paranormal. But that is a long shot from being a paranormal expert. I would I would be inclined to agree with that absolutely because there's there's just too many variables to consider. Uh, my father used to say, the "Job isn't a job; it's a bunch of little jobs put together." <laughs> exactly. You know, um, you can be an expert welder. Yes. That, but even that can be a little misleading because being an expert welder doesn't mean you are an expert in all fields of welding. Yes, because there's dozens. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, that kind of uh, segues in, into another thing that I was going to ask you about here. Now, the paranormal is such a large blanket term. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't always have to be uh, the souls of deceased humans or angelic or demonic spirits. Sometimes it can be strange things like the, the gentleman you just referenced uh, that would touch on ESP and, and so many other things. Uh, so what other branches of the paranormal have you have, do you have experience with? Honestly, none. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I, okay. Now, as far as the paranormal, I started out the classical TV ghost hunter. Yes. And then, but I did enjoy working with psychics. I okay. thought that they did, you know, one at a time, they add something to the conversation. But as I was working with this psychics, they kept telling me, you know, you're gifted, you're gifted. And I went, no, no, I'm really not. And finally, some things kind of came together that I did start looking into the what I call the uh, more spiritual side. Um, we need a new word for that. Uh, metaphysical side of, of the paranormal. Esoteric. And so I pursued that. And that's kind of where I settled. Now, when it comes to Bigfoot. Too much walking for me. I'm a 58 year old smoker, and I if I can hunt them in from the side from the truck, then I'm I'm good. But if I have to walk up a mountain, just leave just leave me at camp. Uh, uf ufology, it fascinates me, but I'm not going to go out uf. I'm not likely to be the guy that sees a UFO because I tend to not look up, and I don't know why that is. Well, you know, most but, of us don't. Know, Honestly, because we're we're trained to believe that everything that is of importance to us is at eye level, right? And I'm and I'm you know I, I, driving down the highway, I'm not likely to hit a UFO. Although interestingly, uh, there is a story on Google. If you Google it, a train hit a UFO. Um, <laughs> we had talked about that earlier, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, so I concentrate to a great degree, you know, on what is affecting me at the moment. And I guess when I go and it's now the the drawback to having that type of personality is when I go ghost hunting, um, people go, did you hear that? And I'm like, no, what? Uh, you know, I, I tend to tune out except what I'm concentrating on. I'm not one of those big picture guys. Well, you know, there, there's a fallacy about multitasking. Most people can't. And I don't think anyone actually does it well. So. Uh, I think if you are, if you program yourself to listen for these noises, you'll be able to pick them up better. But I don't think a person can absorb all the information. That's why we have uh, things like your know, recorders, and you mentioned the mm -hmm. spirit boxes and stuff like that to uh, offset the failing of our senses. 
Oh, absolutely. And and when it comes, and I mean, I've got, I don't even like to use the word theory. I've got hypothesis about how e, how an actual classical EVP works. I believe it's actually our digital recorders picking up on a um, on uh, on an energy field. In other words, when a okay, I'm gonna dumb this down to where I would understand it. <laughs> um, when a ghost speaks, they don't necessarily in the EVP range. They do not disturb the air where our ears will pick it up. They do, however, whether it's a function of the veil or 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 something beyond that, I I honestly don't even I don't even think about it. But they create in a fluctuation in that energy that our recorders can pick up. And I believe that's how your your true EVP works. Of course, it's electronic voice phenomenon. Yes. It's not, you know, oh, I just didn't freaking hear that phenomenon. Um, now, can they sometimes make audible noises? Absolutely. I That is a different process that um, maybe if the uh, amount of manifestation is um, is enough that you know sometimes yes I believe we can actually hear them with our nice human ears but that is I don't believe it's all in our heads and and I have enough data collected and I've seen even better data than my own that there you know that there are ways to measure this that there are ways to collect these samples and and you have to attribute them to something. Yes. Well, honestly, uh, if there wasn't something disturbing the air, then nothing would pick it up. So there has to be an origin so- source for these phenomena. Yeah. Uh, the EVPs have to come from somewhere. And when they're now, it's one thing to this, you know, oh, that's kind of random. But when what you pick up is not random, it answers a question. It it tells you a name, you know, out out of the blue. Uh, a really good example. Now, I am a fan of dowsing. In other words, I take two. Uh, now I've got really nice copper dowsing rods, but honestly, I've used coat hangers and had just as good a luck. Okay. And um, we had a. Uh, He's a believer, but he's he's kind of like me. He likes to see proof, and he but he did not believe in dowsing. Did not believe in dowsing, and I said, well, first of all, I don't use dowsing as evidence. Absolutely not. It's it's as accurate as a free wristwatch. You just can't <laughs> count on it. Um, but I said we use it as a bridge. In other words, it gets the spirits involved with us. It gets them wanting to communicate with us. That's my belief structure, and I believe it helps on the EVP side and, you know, and whatever we we do outside of that. And he said, well, let's test it. You do a dousing rod section, and I'll put a recorder right under you, and we'll see if we get anything. And it worked. (laughs) We would get no. He would hear the word no. We'd get a yes. He would hear the word yes. So... Things like that. I'm sure there's someone out there who can explain that away much better than I can. But to me, it was a perfect storm to prove that even if they're inaccurate, that dowsing does add something to the equation. Well, I would think it would have to. Uh, P 
people don't understand. I, I think that that everything is is a series of actions and reactions and interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, sound earlier. We know that dog whistles work. We can't hear them. Dogs can. The sound's there simply because we don't pick up on it doesn't mean it's not. And there's something that generates that. And it could be, as you said, the uh, the dowsing could be uh, like an, an animating uh, factor there to start the conversation. Right. They they I believe that when I go in dowsing that and there are people that are much better at dousing than me, by the way. But I believe that once a ghost finds out that they can make your body react in a way that they can see through the dousing rods, then that gets them excited because they're used to not being able to communicate with us at all. I would say that would track definitely because as you were telling that earlier, I was thinking that assuming that you were a ghost in a particular location and 99.9% of the uh, humans that passed by had no clue you were there. Right. And then one person shows up that can communicate you with you. It would generate a lot of excitement. That's my hypothesis. And have you been able to uh, support that hypothesis with anything besides the dowsing? Are there, there other things that you can do to generate communication with uh, the spirit realm, for lack of a better way to put it? Dowsing rods are my, I will call it my specialty. Okay. I've been called an expert. I just love that. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, when you when you do the talk at the local library and they say that, then it's like, please don't. But um, we have done some experiments um, with getting – they range from what I would call getting the ghost attention to um, actually trying to interrupt the veil. Now, the veil, for lack of a better explanation, and this is just the way I picture it in my mind, it may be much more complicated or much more simple, okay. is the, 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 the curtains, if you will, between what we, our three-dimensional world and their whatever the heck dimensional world they, uh, pardon the expression, live in, hmm. uh, exist in. We'll say right. exist in. Okay. So I have done some stuff where... I like to do things to uh, disrupt that, or uh, sometimes I call it the the bad neighbor experiment. We um like we will do things that I don't provoke. Okay, now I I don't go into a location, you know, all puffed out and and yelling obscenities and challenging them. However, I have found things like um okay, if I'm in a big building that's hard to cover, yes, I I have found that if I pick the part of the building that I don't want to mess with and put a strobe light in there. Now, I'm talking about a good old-fashioned disco strobe light that you can usually have to wait till Christmas to buy at Walmart. I yes. guess Amazon probably has them now. But I we there's a basement at, a, at one of our haunts, and it's just nasty and it's dark and dank. It seems creepy as heck, but we've never really gotten any evidence there, um, although I've heard some good ghost stories. But we stuck a strobe light down there. And to me, maybe it's my age, but I just find strobe lights horribly, horribly annoying. So I said, well, let's give it a shot. Um, got no evidence down there. We kept a camera going, didn't get any evidence, but it actually did seem to spike the evidence in the other parts of the building. Uh, mostly EVP, but, you know, occasionally the the, the shadow in the wrong spot or, or um, 
I don't think we were doing it the night that we caught some we caught some really good video evidence a few times. I don't remember if those were one of the nights we did that or not, but that's one thing we do. Uh, I I go in nowadays. I try to disrupt the veil, and I do believe everything about this is okay. um, based on vibration. And my only real control over vibration is harmonics, and that to dumb that down, that's making noise. Right. Um, or it doesn't even have to be noise. It can just be vibrations. So I will, and I look like a, a Parkinson's patient, but when I'm in a location, I will tap my finger all the time. Like I'm nervous, but just constantly tap my finger, creating what I think could resonate through the veil to once again, draw their attention, possibly even weaken the veil. I don't know, but uh, just things like that to uh to draw attention to me See, and I, it does seem to play out yeah i would think that that would be effective like you when you mentioned the uh, disco ball uh maybe not pick up anything there but drive any spirit from there into the other room to get away from the disco yeah, ball <laughs> exactly it, it it seemed very simple to me i said well you know heck why not but we did set up a camera just in case you know the the uh we would catch something you know in in the light in, in other words a a shadow that appeared you know for two or three flicks we didn't i'm not saying they couldn't have but we just didn't and but yeah uh things like that try to make try to make yourself not yourself you want yourself to be inviting but try to make the environment annoying so basically uh, make them gravitate towards you exactly and then if you're prepared to uh, record this or, or interact with this, it, then it uh, facilitates the process so much better. Yes, that's, that's, that's been my experience in the field. Uh, now, with dousing, one thing we love doing, especially when you, and they're like a dime a dozen, but every place is haunted by ch child ghosts. Yes. Um, now, I've got a whole other story on what child ghosts are to a large degree, but they are... For the sake of the investigation, you are dealing with children. And so what we do is we take our dowsing rods and we let them lead us around a location. If you want me to go left, you make my dowsing rods go left. If you want to go right, then we have stop. And it and the interesting thing is, um, beyond us doing it, it's fun to hand the rods to someone else and uh, let them take it over. And, and you know, you see the smiles. Now, you... Um, Early in the show, you ask about the, the greatest fear. Now, I will say, though, the drawback to that is we let uh, so, uh, a younger member of the – we were on a public hunt. In other words, we'd, we were basically hired as guides, me and my wife. Okay. Or my wife and I, to use the proper English. And while we were setting up the equipment, a DVR system, cameras, all that stuff, we let the uh, teenage daughter – do the the dousing game well they led her to the stairs we were at the top of we walked out of the room we were in and it's on a spring-loaded door nothing haunted here nothing to see but when we walked through the door it slammed okay now it's at the top of the stairs she's at the bottom of the stairs when she heard that door slam she screamed this perfect horror movie uh <laughs> Scream, and we're at the top of the stairs. So, guess who got the end of the scream? 
Oh, you know, it has scared us to death. It's like, no doubt, yes. You know, we've never heard that in this location before. So that that was my that was the most frightened I'd ever gotten on a lo- on a location, and it was completely human, completely innocent, but it was fun. We, you know, that that begs another question, though. Uh, have you ever been on any of these ghost hunts and uh, felt physically uh, or spiritually threatened? That is actually part of my gift, and I call it a gift. I believe it comes straight from God with a capital G that I was raised with. Mm-hmm. But I am pretty much, I'm not sure if I'm Teflon coated or if I'm bulletproof. I haven't pushed that envelope, that part <laughs> of the envelope yet. But I do not get attacked. I do not, I'm not the guy that's going to get pushed downstairs. I don't get um, scratched. Now, that being said, I have been uh, in situations where I got emotions that I knew were not mine. I uh, I got physical pains that I knew were not mine. And when that happens, I am able to instantly push it out. And I and I and when I do it, I say, no, 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 that's yours. That's not mine. Thanks for telling me your story, but back the heck up. So, so based on the way you said it, you think in a lot of cases – the uh, what some people might be experiencing as as a uh, a feeling of terror isn't so much the spirit or entity trying to scare someone as as sharing their own pain, so to speak. Well, okay, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna back off that a little bit. I am sure there are because there are enough people in the world that would love to do nothing than annoy you or scare you. I am quite sure that if ghosts are Indeed, the deceased spirits of the uh, of the are dearly departed. There are a few ghosts that are just jerks and would love nothing more than to terrorize you. And if they can some way find a way to scare you, to put that emotion in your head, they will do it. I do think most of the time when we feel, though, um, I think a lot of it is just misguided attempts to get attention. I think sometimes when they want to tell their story, because, OK, if a ghost is going to tell you their story, I would say part of the, a big part of that story, situational based, is that they're dead. Yes. And I can say from experience, not that I've been dead, but I have um, been around someone who passed away. And I, the most uncomfortable part of the experience was for me, was watching how much knowing they were close to death, that scared them. So now if they could pass, if they stuck around as a ghost, which that particular time they didn't, I can see a ghost passing that emotion onto you so that you understand how they feel. That's a fair assessment, I think, because uh, it it could be, and and again, I'm extrapolating, I'm not an expert on this either, but it could be that uh, when, we'll, we'll say translated into a spirit, then they carry that, uh, like the the violent death or the the fear of right. death with them, right? And and that is, you know, the major part of of their personality, at least initially. Yes, and um, um, you know, your chest tightens up, and then you find out, well, so and so died of a heart attack. Um, in other words, they want you to know that story, and I do believe that through whatever means, whether it's direct. Um, uh, telekinetic um, uh, communication, or if it's holographic, uh, in the case of seeing things, I do think that 
many ghosts. I don't even know if they can all do it. I don't know if it's natural or not, but they can impress on you that part of their story. So you think it, it, it's possible that what uh, a ghost does is activate or charge your own sense of empathy? Yes, yes. That, that, that's a good way to put it. Now, depending on how empathic you are, might have to do, you know, might um, uh, express itself in how deeply you feel that, you know, how how hard it is for you to get rid of that, to shake that feeling, you know, um, how long it lasts. So everything we've discussed so far has been pretty much the, the research and everything has been science based and everything. So uh, I, I was saying there where you, you do I, and you call it bad tarot reading. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Yeah, as, as I got into the metaphysical side of things, uh-huh. one thing, now this I, this may have even predated it. I love tarot cards. I think the artwork on them is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, every time you buy a deck, uh, you know, you get a collection of artwork. Yes. And so I, I, I collected them, but I never had any interest in reading them. I just, it just didn't even occur to me. Um, for one thing, it you got to actually read and study and, and all that stuff and memorize, and I just didn't want to do it. But um, a friend of mine, Ken Bogle, who is a gifted, gifted tarot card reader, he was um, he used to do a thing on Facebook um, and I called it metaphysical bullcrap. He just but he draw a card, you know, and he tried and use that card to give advice to the public. And I think it's not I, I think it's more it's that's too much of a shotgun approach. Okay, One card doesn't fit all. Now, that being said, he was on the road one weekend, and he didn't have time to do it, um, to do his Facebook Live. So I said, you know what? Hey, Ken. He was a friend of mine and a sponsor of my show at the time. And I said, I got this. So I took a deck, and I took the most ridiculous deck that I felt I had at the time, uh, the Baroque Cat Tarot. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful images involving cats. Okay. The... (laughs) Art, artwork, artwork, not just photos, not just photos, yes. uh, paintings. So anyway, I drew, I drew a card, and I just looked at the card, and I made crap up, okay? To be funny. That's all it was, yes. and, I, and it was funny. And my, the, the, the most, most profound part of the reading, to give your listeners an, an idea, was that um, the cat was holding a stick. Actually, it was Bodor. And I said, there, this is a great weekend to try something impossible because cats don't have opposable thumbs and therefore <laughs> do not hold a boat over. Exactly. Now, jump forward. I don't know. I did that a while on Facebook for laughs. Mm. And then I was at a little paracon up in a post town elementary school. And there were about, I don't know, 30, maybe 40 vendors. And if there were 10 people walking through that building, I would be surprised. So what I did was I said, you know what? I got to find some way to pay my gas money here. Yeah, and I had T-shirts and it was, nobody was buying nothing. But there weren't too many readers there. So I said, you know what? Hey, let's let's try it. Let's just see if I can be funny in person. So I, I had some card decks that I'd thrown in my briefcase. I don't even remember why they were in there, except I think I didn't want the dogs and cats to get to them. I pulled out a, a card, I laid some card decks out, and I put a little sign up behind me, $5 really bad tarot card readings. <laughs> and uh, the one of the 
first people, she may have been the first woman that sat down with me that day. Now, I knew her. We're not friends, but I knew who she was. She sat down and said, I, I want a reading. I said, well, the first thing you do, you pick the date because I didn't care. I mean, it's not like I'm connected to any of them. Right. So okay. she picked what they, is called the Tarot of Fire. Now, this the Tarot of Fire has beautiful artwork, and every image incorporates fire into the image. Now, if there's no real meaningful way for the artist to put that fire into the image, what he does is he just puts people with the, their hair on fire. He okay. just, whatever the character is, hair on fire. Ta-da. Well, she, I drew a card. Actually, I don't even draw them. I just shuffle to one flies out of the deck. I just drop one because I have really bad hand-eye coordination. And uh, so I picked the card up and I looked at it. And she had asked me some, basically about her future. She said, I just want to know about my future. And I looked at the card and I looked at her and I looked back at the card. I could not come up with anything funny from this card. I drew a blank. And so the only thing that popped into my head was someone wants to set your hair on fire. <laughs> That's what I expected. I expect her to giggle or, you know, say, what, what are you talking about? No, she leans in and goes, yes, go on. Uh, and I'm sorry. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Um, and okay. Then she told me this story. She had been diagnosed recently with lupus and they wanted to try experimental chemotherapy on her that I had no clue of. Now, chemotherapy, hair. Yes. Do the math. Yeah, and so exactly. that, and speaking of hair, it stood up on the back of my neck and I said, yeah, maybe I ought to pay more attention to this. So what I started doing is I started doing readings that way. I went into the reading to seeing what the cards told me. Still never even read the instructions. And when I, I, I shuffle, I let the person choose the deck and I'll carry four or five with me. I shuffle them until cards fly out. Sometimes it's one card. Sometimes it's a half a dozen. And then I do a reading from that, but it's based merely on what I am drawn to in the picture. All right. And that is really bad tarot. So how do you think, what, what sort of energy is involved? Because apparently you got that one correct. So what, what energy? <laughs> you make it sound like that's an anomaly. Well, no, no. That's what I'm getting at is that you, you're, you're saying that you, you haven't studied it. You're, you're not a student of the tarot. Right. Okay. Now, to, to give you the metaphysical answer. Yes. Um, I believe now at that time I'd already kind of embraced the, the belief that I had these righteous, absolutely great backup crew, my spirit guides. I okay. believe from top to bottom, they've been with me all these years and they, they've gotten me, they've gotten me where I am today, even if it isn't more, always where I would like to be. Now, I believe the way the process works is they lead me to either drop a certain card or even just to draw my attention to whatever part of the card I happen to drop. And then that is where the advice comes from. So if you want to call it uh, spiritual energy, I, I don't believe myself that I have any great gift other than being able to open myself up to these guys that I've, and ladies that I've got uh, uh, surrounding me and to give people the advice they need. Now, if you want a more mundane answer, I really do, and I do believe this, that a great deal of tarot 
when you sit down with a tarot card reader, most of the time you already know the answer. I believe the tarot cards, all they really do is guide our intuition. Now, how effectively that happens is based on the energies, what you, you know, what pops into your head. But I really do think most of the time that it is just a matter of guiding intuition. We already know the answer before we open our mouths and saying what comes to mind. Well, that, uh, that tracks because most of the time, for instance, when someone asks for advice, they're really wanting you to tell them to go ahead and do what they've decided to do. And right. it doesn't invalidate your value to them. It's a support of what they have already wrestled with and worked out. Right. Now, the, the disadvantages to being a tarot card reader, and I'll say this for any tarot card reader. Okay. I'm, because I don't take it as seriously as maybe I should still to this day, mm-hmm. um, it makes me really itchy when someone sits down and says something like, should I quit my job? Oh, hell, don't put that kind of pressure on me. No. You know, should I do what the doctors are telling me? Should, you know, all the, these kind, kind of stuff. Ask me about your love life. You know, if I screw that up, big deal. Um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I get life and death questions, you and, know, life-changing and, questions. And I'm like, oh, this makes me nervous. I do the best I can. And but at the, I usually close most sessions with, just remember, this advice came from a, ten, a $10 tarot card reader. Yes, uh, and and not to uh, disparage the ten dollar tarot reader, it, it's simply any decision that's important. You need to be the person controlling that decision. I agree with that. I agree with that. And you know, so am I telling them? Once again, I think a lot of times my spirit guides kind of dance around it and make sure that I tell them what they already know, mm-hmm. uh, and or at least tell it in a fashion that they can work it through in their mind. Um. Now, have I ever been wrong? I only know of one reading that I was dead wrong. And I think it's because I had absolutely no emotional connection to it. The person sitting down across from me was very, very skeptical. That was their first tarot card reading ever. And the only reason they did it is I told them to do it on a dare. They didn't even want to do it. So I made no personal connection to them. And then they asked me about a situation that was basically geopolitical. In other words, it wasn't, you know. Yeah, and. and it would seem to be insulting to uh, the spirit guides as well. If yeah, because my spirit guides, okay, I tell people, my spirit guides are not, I don't usually ask them to predict the future. What I ask my spirit guides are, what can you do to come to the best outcome of whatever situation you bring to me? And that's what usually works. Um, asking me about, you know, Russia invading Ukraine, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it sitting there. So then we're in pure future prediction. And I do not believe that most events in the future are written in stone. I think that, um, just like, okay. If, um, people use the, the story, um, the analogy, well, if psychics were real, they'd win the lottery. <laughs> And I don't believe that because I don't believe that lottery is decided until the last ball drops. In other words, um, there there are a lot of factors. You know, what time did you buy your ticket? What time did they, yes. you know, did they did they do the drawing? Um, how did gravity work? How many times did they turn the tub? That's a it's a lot of math. 
it's a whole lot of math to figure out exactly which five or six balls are going to hit the, the, the little cup thing. And so I, that's why I think it doesn't work. I'd like to back up here for a second. And, uh, the term itself is somewhat self-explanatory, but, but how do you define spirit guides? Okay. Now this goes totally into belief and you will probably find psychics that will tell you that they disagree with me completely. (laughs) Um, you'll find other people on the uh, religious side that say I'm, I'm just full of it, but I believe, okay, first of all, to really, for me to really embrace spirit guides, you, the way I do, you kind of have to embrace um, uh, reincarnation. But I believe that somewhere back in history, a bunch of dead people got together, and maybe before they ever died, maybe it was before they were born. But in words, um, the spirits got together, and some of us made a team. Okay. <laughs> I wish there was a better way to, to describe how I picture it. And we— Coalition every time, one of, every time one of us is born, the others have their back. Now, in my case, I think there's some that kind of get to get assigned or volunteer, who knows, because my spiritual journey, meaning what I've chosen to do in the in the metaphysical world, uh, has led me into situations that the average person would not have to encounter. And so, you know, but for the most part, I believe that my my main spirit guide that I talk to and ask for advice. Most often, I believe that me and him have been together for God knows how long. And, um, and it was my turn. Now I wish it, I, I wish it was deeper than that. Um, well, depth I, uh, in a lot of cases is an illusion. An explanation is, uh, well, it's like when I ask you a question, I no longer control the dialogue. You respond with the answer you give me, and it doesn't have to be an answer I like. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's very, very true. But uh, there, uh, cultures throughout history have believed that uh, our ancestors look out for us. It's, it's, it's not a new belief. And you mentioned in several instances, you mentioned the Bible. I mean, that's not even precluded by the Judeo-Christian Bible either. I, I don't I don't believe it is. Now there there are people that tell you that you know certain patches passages you know say no you can't do this you know, and I'm like no you're 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 not reading it right. If your definitions because for one thing this this thing it was written by people that weren't there and translated by people that were even farther away with an agenda. Now that's one thing I always try to remember when I'm ghost hunting with people is everyone goes into a ghost hunt with an agenda. Whether it's to have the experience or whatever, we we all have our own beliefs, and nothing that's going to happen, with very few exceptions, is going to actually change that belief. It's more likely to reinforce it. It might guide it a little different direction. But you're not going to go... An atheist is not going to go into a ghost hunt and be convinced because they got an EVP. Well, and I would agree with that because uh, it the burden of proof would be too heavy to radically change a person's view. Right, and most people don't want their view changed. Well, that's true. We we do have a, a nifty little thing called confirmation bias, 
We, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one too. Yeah, we decide something and then we use all the information we can to support that decision, whether you know it, there's contrary information or not. Yeah, if you, and if you doubt that's a real thing, go on. Um, um, uh, gosh, this shows how how bright my brain is. Go go on your <laughs> video programs, uh, YouTube, and and uh, and the other big one now, TikTok. Yeah, and and go in there and to see how many people are posting about the earth being flat. Yes. And they use every little piece of anecdotal evidence and, and put them sometimes in a fairly good string saying, well, this proves the earth is flat without doing the math to realize, no, that's only part of the equation. Well, a lot of times we are limited with our knowledge or at that time. It, it comes back to sort of the whole expert thing. If we think mm -hmm. we've already learned everything there is to learn, then we're not going to grow. We, we won't gather new information because uh, right. every, everything's going to be ordered and placed in the boxes we already have. Right. So, now, I, like, and, and I'm probably guilty of it too. Everything that I've encountered, that I've experienced, that I've learned in the paranormal field, actually fits into my box, my, my little, my little box of, you know, of ideas. I don't have to think outside the box. I just wait for something to drop in it. And there, everything that is dropped in that box already has at least, it fits. I'll put it that way. Okay. It's not saying, not to say it's nothing new, but it fits in the box nicely. It doesn't contradict anything. And I think that in, in a lot of cases, that's what, what we want. We don't want to be surprised. And uh, kind of uh, segues into to another uh, question I was going to ask. I, I describe it with paranormal especially. You have one camp that believes in ghosts, no matter mm -hmm. what you say. Right. The opposite camp will not believe in ghosts, regardless of what you say or any evidence presented. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the people in the, the third camp that are like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Pay attention to my side. I, d I don't know what I tell them. I show them. <laughs> I can show them evidence I've collected. I can explain things based on my belief system, you know, how things are possible. Um, but that is part of the reason that I went ahead and jumped over to the spiritual side, the metaphysical side, away from the investigative side. Okay. Now, some of it was I lost the fire in my belly to sit and watch, you know, for a four-hour investigation to watch 30 hours of video um, to, you know, and listen to me talking to walls. You know, I, I lost that fire in my belly. And uh, another point, I had already collected some evidence that was, unless you want to point at me and say you faked that, the mm. evidence was stood on its own. In other words, so there was no alternate explanation other than something paranormal happened or you faked it Wesley and I can't convince no you know somebody that I didn't fake it I can't you can't prove you know that part necessarily so I decided I was more comfortable at that point helping people helping spirits if you will so I moved to that side of the equation but when it comes to the average person I, I just don't feel that fire in my belly to convince them one way or the other anymore. Well, a certain amount of things uh, involve validation. And once we make our decisions on our, our worldview, 
then uh, we no longer need that validated. So that could be part of it, and then part mm-hmm. of it could be the realization that, uh, well, it happened to me, for instance. I was interviewing a paranormal group, and I picked up an EVP totally by accident. I believe that was a valid EVP. Mm-hmm. I know I didn't fake it, but I also knew, unfortunately, there was no way I could convince anyone with 100% certainty that I didn't fake it. And at that point... Okay, then that was a two-way conversation. You also don't have any way to prove that the... it wasn't faked on the other end of the conversation, assuming it was done over Skype or phone or whatever. See, and and, and at that point, it it becomes, you know, you, you collect the evidence you can collect. Right. And you present that to the people who show interest and you let them make their decision. Exactly. <laughs> what other things are you typically involved in during the course of the year to, you know, uh, like we mentioned the tarot reading and then, of course, obviously Scarefest. So what other things are you involved with? Now, I'm not as involved as I used to be, but now where my spiritual journey took me was because I, as I alluded to before, I think I'm either Teflon-coated or bulletproof. One of the psychics that I used to work with all the time, um, we would go into we were do, going into a location, and we'd been there two or three. We'd been on several hunts together. Okay. And because I was not particularly sensitive, uh, empathic, whatever, I you know I didn't take what she said as gospel. But if she said we should be investigating that room, hey, her guess is good as mine. Um, but she said. She she was one of the first ones to call me out. She said, um, ghost, listen to you. She says, I can hear them, but a lot of times they don't even acknowledge me. But she said, when you talk, for whatever reason, you get their attention. And so I started. Um, That's a unique moved, gift. I don't, maybe it is. I, <laughs> I, I think it's a matter of attitude. Um, you know, my, and, and, but I do call it a gift. I, I call it a gift, and I don't believe there's anything that I did to earn it. It just boom, there it was. So, um, uh, I started as I em- embraced the spiritual side, the metaphysical, the psychic side, if you will. I started leveraging that, and found that I'm really, really good at crossing spirits over, at removing negative energy from a home. More business or whatever. Um, and, and well, okay, for, to give you an example of what my gift uh, meant to people, um, the tour guide that used to be at Bobby Mackey's. Okay. You know, Bobby Mackey's, notoriously haunted, one of the top two. Yes, very famous place. Um, Wanda used to bring in me and a psychic whenever the activity got out of hand. Meaning they felt it was getting dangerous to the people stomping around the basement. Okay. So they would, and I would come in and I did not throw, I didn't really throw my weight around. I went in, uh, oh, I guess a couple of uh, times I did. But for the most part, we just, I just went in and gave the ghost a good talking to. And the talking to amounted to, you don't want me to come back. You know, it, it was that, you, know, you kids don't make me stop this car. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sometimes that that's effective. 
Well, apparently it was because every time I would do it, the only time it ever hurt my feelings, um, uh, Ghost Adventures, who have investigated there a few times, did a special, and they called it, um, gosh, what was it? After Adventures or Aftershock or something. In other words, they, some of the cases they had investigated, and they went back and um, and talked to the people there about how the activity was. And when they did the Bobby Mackeys, the she um, described how some recent really bad, you know, experiences people had had yes the part they didn't tell them was i was one of the two people called in after those experiences mm-hmm. to to shut it down now the my best example publicly though was um i got invited on a to be a one of the celebrity headliners at bobby mikey's for a halloween investigation so halloween night they called in me and an anglican ex- exorcist <laughs> and uh and so, uh, and the exorcist was really the headliner. I, I, I was the B card, but people, we, we went in there and he, he took them on an investigation and I worked with people on, on, on some, uh, EVP work and probably did some dousing. I don't even remember, but at, at the end of the night, the tour cuts tell the group, I'm sorry. It was so quiet tonight. We've never had a night this quiet. We don't understand it. <laughs> And, and I'm back in the corner going, lady, you've got a, you've got an exorcist in the parking lot and you got a, a spiritual bouncer called in. <laughs> These ghosts are going, what the heck did he do to deserve this? You know, every, everybody sit down, be quiet. And I really believe that's what happened. Well, yeah, it's, it's like a bunch of unruly uh, kids in school when the principal shows up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary Ducina, a fairly famous psychic. Uh, talking to her, and uh, she called me a soul sheriff because I, that's just the way my mind works. That's um, an interesting you know, I, enf- I enforce the natural laws, if you will. And she called me a soul sheriff. She said, that is your title. And uh, I said, cool. <laughs> that may, Hey, that sounds really cool. <laughs> so that's kind of what I used for, uh, called myself for a while. Right. But, yeah, it's my job. On this earth, at least up until recently, mm-hmm. has been to make sure paranormal activity didn't get out of hand. Now, I don't do as much of it as I used to because now there are more more people out there, more psychics out there who are willing to take on these darker cases, these more negative cases. And but they are, you know, psychics are who used to. I, I didn't. I didn't put an ad in the paper. Uh, word got around to the various psychic markets in the area and everything that that's what I did. And sometimes they'd tag along, but you know, it was, um, pretty much a referral thing. A client would come to them say, will you help me? My house is haunted. And the psychic would go, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that, but let right. me call Wesley. Exactly. Yes. Well, I mean, you call the sheriff to, uh, to yeah. eliminate <laughs> the lawbreakers. Now, that being said, I want everybody to understand that I did kind of um, uh, work on a sliding scale. In other words, now, that doesn't mean I actually ever got paid. Although one one guy did give us uh, a, a, a good stipend over our gas money. But yes. um, the uh, but we never asked for anything. We don't we never even asked to be reimbursed. Um, but um, the. Um, gosh, where was I even going with this? Uh <laughs> I completely forgot the story completely forgot, uh, slipped my mind there. 
But so what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Which one? (laughs) The last one. We were talking about, uh, uh, well, actually, we, we've, you're we've no come, better than me. We've, no, no, I'm listening to you <laughs> ramble because you're, it, in a very real way, it's it's like listening to myself because I ramble that much too. <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, you know, of course, you mentioned the, the whole thing about the soul sheriff, and uh, we were talking about spirit guides and various different entities, and this all started with. Uh, asking you if you had ever felt personally threatened and yeah that was a long that was way back yeah that was way back and part of the, where uh, i was going with this it's <laughs> a kind of segue here is, and you may, were probably the perfect person to ask a lot of times people will experience the paranormal uh and and we'll just we'll say ghosts for the sake of uh of the argument there oh absolutely yes. and and they uh they become terrified and they feel horribly threatened and they don't really know how to deal with this. Do you have any advice? Set your boundaries. That's the number one thing. Uh, most of the things out there creeping around in the dark, if you will, mm-hmm. are just, yeah, they're, they're gross. They're just leftover. Uh, they're the remains of our dearly departed. And sometimes they were kind of a jerk in life, so they've decided to be a jerk in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are varying degrees of that. There are, you know, um, entities that I call it devolving. In other words, after they passed away, I don't know if it's a deal with the devil or that's just it's something natural that happens to, to nasty people. But I do believe like, OK, one example, I believe there are things out there called soul collectors. Now, these right. soul collectors are based, they're human spirits, but I hate to call them just a ghost because basically they tend to collect other ghosts and somehow it's seen. I don't know if it's, they feed off the emotion, they feed off the energy. I, I don't know, but uh, a lot, um, Amy Allen has on, a, on her show has encountered that type of entity before. Yes. It makes the place seem even more haunted than it might actually be. Um, so there are other things out there, but for the most part, the answer is set your boundaries. Now, one thing people won't do because they think they sound crazy is, okay, if something's happening in your house and you don't like it, mm. use your voice and say you don't like it. Say, hey, don't walk up behind me, please, ever again. You can be polite, but I'm just saying be forceful, stand your ground, uh, and just – but always use your voice. Um that is, I'll say, it make sure the message gets across, and it also is reinforcing to you. In other words, when you hear your own voice say, that was nothing, that was nothing, don't sneak it behind whatever it is. I yes. think that actually reinforces your own being, your own energy. So now, given that, that puts us in the position of, if not necessarily control of the situation, but having more authority of the situation. Yeah. The the way I explain it to people, okay, when we're talking about, in particular, various types of ghosts, mm-hmm. okay, you have the advantage. You've got life. I guarantee you, if you could get any ghost to really tell you the truth, you know, what they wanted, they wish they were alive. They wish they were still alive. And you've got that. You know, you're already, you're already ahead of the game. 
Uh, now they can do things that freak you out because, and, and I do, I really think that a lot of what we feel in the paranormal um, aspect of things, that is our body's natural reaction is something that it doesn't recognize, something that doesn't feel natural to it. You know, I don't really think that um, footsteps in the attic is something that I would call natural. No. Um, so, you know, um, because it could be a squirrel, could be your dead grandmother, you know, it could be an axe murderer hiding out. Who knows? This is um, true. And, and I was thinking you said that it could be uh, part of our genetic hardwiring for the fight or flight. Right, right. And, and that, that I think that explains a lot of what we, we, the way we react to the paranormal. So what kind of advice would you give people that uh, were interested in maybe exploring a little bit more about this? That's almost a tough one. And the reason it's tough is, okay, if somebody says, I want to go ghost hunting, um, step number one, run down a public ghost hunt. Find find one of these celebrity hunts, whatever. Now, try to find one that's a little longer, more involved. But, and yeah, it's probably going to cost you 50 or 100, you know, maybe $200 if it's the right celebrity. But okay. find out if that is really something if if talking to walls in the dark is really your thing now if you're just doing it for the fear factor of it watch a horror movie but you know find out if it's in your blood then find a reputable um team in your area if you actually do want to go ghost hunting i don't recommend anybody do it just out on their own now actually i did and it worked out for me but I think I had the right location and the right attitude going into it. But um, if you can find a, tag, a team that will let you tag along and hold a voice recorder or hold the flashlight or hold a camera or whatever, kind of don't rush into it. Okay. Um, people ask me, if, you know, should I protect myself? If you feel like you need to protect yourself, then the answer is yes. If you feel no need for protection then the answer is probably not. Fair enough. So, um, on the more, and I hate to say more metaphysical because uh, ghosts <laughs> themselves are metaphysical, but from the more spiritual aspect of it, mm -hmm. if people were interested in that, wh where would you point them? I mean, um, Local metaphysical fairs, uh, they're around the state, they're around the nation. Um, the one I go to most is the Central Kentucky Mystical Market, um, they, but they do have them in Northern Kentucky. They, uh, other places um, have them. In other words, don't be afraid to go to these things because 90% of it's a big craft show anyway. It has nothing to do with ghosts or anything else. But um, then if you want to get, if you've never had a psychic reading, people ask me, what psychic should I go to? And I say, okay. Here's how I decided what psychics I was going to go to originally. I went to a psychic and said, what psychic would you go to? Okay. In other words, I don't just, you know, willy-nilly uh, right. choose a psychic. Um, and that, but, and truth of the matter is, if you find the psychic that the psychics trust, you know, that's, that's a good place to start. And they will give you advice. They will, you know, tell you, ah, oh, yes, you're, you're gifted or, you know, maybe you should, you know, um, deal with this in your life first. Um, now we'll, oh, I do want to back up, um, when it comes to like ghost hunting, I do tell people that if you have so much as a head cold, don't go ghost hunting. Don't go into a, a, a haunted location 
challenging spirits or, or talking to them, if you have any mental or physical weakness that could make you vulnerable. Um, I'm not saying you're going to get possessed, but I do think it could make any bad experiences easier to um, to experience. That's fair, and that's that's a good caution. You don't want to be compromised before you could potentially be compromised. Right. Well, I think we've covered quite a few bases here. I, I have the feeling that there's much more conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, you know, I still want to know what I was talking about that one time. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'll go back through when I'm editing, <laughs> and uh, we'll make that your 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 next uh, episode. Okay. Okay. Well, Wes, thank you very much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate your insight and your experience. I won't call you an expert, although I, I have the uh, uh, impression that that you are established person in the field put it that way i feel comfortable with that that description for the time being then you have a wonderful afternoon and we will talk to you again soon thank you for having me on charlie well you're very welcome thank you this is charles romans and on behalf of myself and our guests thank you for joining us on this walk through the shadows of legend if you like what you heard please follow us and visit our website at shadowsoflegend.com and support our patreon page to help keep the content flowing. And if you would like to be a guest and share your own brush with a stranger paranormal, don't hesitate to email us and include a contact number. The strange and surreal, the normal and the paranormal are all aspects of the world in which we live. As you reflect upon the stories we have shared, keep in mind that the people sharing these stories are actual real people just like us. Were the stories shared compelling enough to be given credibility? or should they be relegated to the deeper part of the shadows. But when determining this, it might be a good idea to keep an open mind, because when we look around, we might discover that our own world is less brightly lit than we once thought. Until next time, I'll be waiting for you in the shadows of legend.